It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The union forever, ah, boys, hurrah, down with the trainer, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only at KNews FM 98.5. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been my privilege to strike down unconstitutional election laws and city ordinances and to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party. One of my election law prosecutions against the Bureau of Cannabis Control ultimately removed marijuana billboards from Route 101. And I have also served repeatedly as Superior Court Special Master. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, office holders, lawyers, and activists appear to inform you about government actions shaping your lives. That focus brings folks from differing points of view without being attacked to tell you about how they think the laws can be improved, even if I or station management disagree with a guest's ideas. Thanksgiving weekend, I hope you enjoyed our rebroadcast of my conversation with Kathy Stickle, about smuggling abducted Ukrainian children out of Russia, and Superior Court Judge Craig Van Ruyen's explanation of how California grand juries work to investigate government agencies and indict or absolve folks suspected of crimes. If you missed last week's show, log into the podcast of the interviews at knews985.com. This hour... I am so pleased to be speaking with Congressman Salud Carbajal at Slow County Public Policy and the Law. Mr. Carbajal represents the people living in California's 24th Congressional District, which includes San Luis Obispo County, south of Cayucas and Atascadero, all of Santa Barbara County, and the city of Ventura. He was elected in 2016 and is in his fourth term as our representative. Congressman Carbajal is on the Armed Services Committee, on the Agriculture Committee, and he is the ranking member of the Subcommittee on Coast Guard and Maritime Transportation. Welcome to the show, Congressman Carbajal. Thank you, Stu. Thank you for having me on your show today. Well, I'm so pleased to have you back, and uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show was because one of the other... um, hosts on this station had a a long uh, dissertation, I'm going to say, about his opposition to your Carbon Innovation and Dividend Act. And I I just wanted to bring you on so you could talk about that uh, bill and what it would do for residents and and whether it would cost people more at the gas pump. Well, thank you very much, Stu. It it is unfortunate that... um, that uh, article was articulated as such because uh, this Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act that I have introduced was founded on free market principles Uh that was led and introduced, quite frankly, by uh, conservative Republicans once upon a time. Mm 
So it's interesting that now that uh, I have introduced this, uh, it's, it's taken a, a different approach and a different attack. But let me tell you what it is. Yeah. What the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act uh, does is it places a fee on carbon, $15 per metric ton of CO2, and it would increase every 10 years thereafter. And the fee collected by the federal government would 100% be sent back to all Americans as a dividend. In other words, there would be an incentive for companies that emit carbon emissions to put in place better technology that reduces emissions, uh-huh. re- uh, be incentivized to reduce emissions, and in the process, the fees that are collected for the price that is placed on carbon would go back to all Americans. One, it would help the economy, and it would put money back in the pockets of all Americans. Well, how would how would that work for the average Joe in Santa Maria or the average Jane in San Luis Obispo? How would they get the dividend? Well, the dividend would be sent back to them by the federal government as it collects it. And it, it would be a monthly dividend. It could be also done as an annual dividend at the end of the year. And it would be just sent back just as uh, people, just like people get their tax refunds at the end of the year. Or it could be done on a monthly basis, uh, sent to them as a check or deposited into their account. Uh, as long as they have a Social Security or a tax ID number, uh, ITIN number, uh, they would get that money, just like COVID stimulus statements were able to get to people. Okay, okay. Would, would they have to show any uh, evidence that they'd been spending uh, their money on gasoline or on anything nope. else? No, nope. it would just be a straightforward dividend that would go back in the pocket of all Americans. Uh-huh. And have you, have you uh, got uh, co-sponsors on this bill? Yes, uh, a, a, a number of co-sponsors, uh, but in particular, uh, I would say Representative Scott Peters from San Diego uh, is one of our sponsors, and we're currently looking at other uh, groups in the Bipartisan Climate Solutions Caucus. Okay, okay. Well, I, I thought I thought it was only fair that since you'd been criticized for this, that you'd be able to explain it to people. And is, is there anything else you want to say about the bill? Thank you. I'm so glad you gave me this opportunity to just set the record straight because it's easy to attack something. Uh, let me just add one last thing, that this would provide exemption to agriculture, uh, agriculture fuel. So that is one area in particular that uh, would be very helpful to our farmers. Sure. And, uh, and again... This would set a price on carbon, which would help us incentivize the implementation of innovation and technology. It would uh, address climate change, and in doing so, send that money back to the American people, help our economy, and it would make companies, for example, like big oil companies, who have gotten record profits, $200 billion in profit last year, to be more mindful of the harm they're doing to the environment, and to send Americans money back for the harm they're doing to their health, because climate change uh, is not only uh, damage and impact to our environment, but to the health of so many Americans. And so it's only right to do so. So the critic who you mentioned earlier can be a front and a supporter and an advocate for oil companies. That's exactly what he's doing. So 
Thank you very much for pointing that out. Well, you're very welcome. And I, uh, is there any prospect for um, the bill uh, coming to a vote in the near future? Uh, I'm very hopeful. Uh, my bill is very similar to another bill that I'm also co-sponsor of uh, with one of my Republican colleagues. And it's very similar. It deals with uh, the same concept, except the other bill would uh, put the money not back into the pockets of Americans. It would put the money back in improving and modernizing our infrastructure. Same concept, just a different approach, and they're both very good bills. Well, good, good. Well, now, uh, speaking of when we can get votes on things, I was I was watching uh, before the show, the, and we do tape this on Thursdays, so all may be over by uh, the time we uh, have this broadcast, but I was watching the debate uh, on whether to expel George Santos on my way to the station here. Um, and that seems to be tying up everything at this point. Uh, is, is there any work being done in the House of Representatives right now while that's happening? Well, uh, very little uh, is being done. As you've seen the chaos with uh, electing, uh, first uh, vacating the seat, uh, the position of speaker, and then it took weeks to finally select a new speaker, and we quite haven't voted on all the appropriations bills. Instead, we focused on a lot of culture war votes and yeah. uh, just things that have not really, uh, that would only polarize things and not improve the lives of Americans. Uh, the one thing that they've done this week is they started the debate and introduced a resolution to expel uh, George Santos, who we all know has uh, been indicted. Uh, Many uh, crimes have been committed by him, allegedly, uh, brazen fraud. And so, finally, I think we seem to have a bipartisan momentum to expel him. Uh, he will be uh, one of only six people in American history that have been, ex been expelled uh, from Congress. Uh, so we're, I think this is the right thing to do, and clearly he has demonstrated the behavior and criminal and fraudulent behavior that deserves uh, for the House to kick him out of the, the, the House of Representatives. Well, and, and his Republican colleagues from New York absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. I, I, I was curious, uh, you know, there was a prior motion to expel him or a resolution, and uh, the, uh, what I was surprised at was that uh, not only were 182 Republicans who voted against it, but there were 31 Democrats. Um, yes, I think they were waiting for the ethics report that was issued, I think, on the 17th of November, right before the Thanksgiving uh, recess, uh -huh. uh, to confirm what they've all known. But I think it was a matter of trying to provide as much due process as possible. Uh, I think we had the evidence already, but it's always good to wait. And I think, uh, you know, it's because this would also continue to set a precedent, it's important to make sure that uh, all the evidence and information uh, is transparent, and I think now there is no excuse to not kick them out. And it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how the vote turns out. Well, I, I personally agree with your sentiments on it, and uh, and yes, I think we're all waiting with bated breath to find out. Well, I have to talk to folks a little bit about next week's show. So, um, folks, I want to be sure you tune in December. 9th at 10 a.m. and December 10th, now that we have uh, our show twice a week at 3 p.m., 
to hear Evan and Christy Bishop talk about the challenges and the farm-to-table offerings of their new black market cheese company located in Paso Robles. And then listen to Taylor Taff explain his new Revive Dive youth program that is cleaning out litter under our local piers while teaching kids how to safely dive. If you'd like to hear from an office holder, lawyer, or activists here at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, you can email me at stu, that's spelled S-T-E-W, dot Jenkins at dimescentralcoast.com. And of course, you can hear a podcast of this show or of any of our other shows at knews985.com. We're talking with your congressman, Salute Carpal. Well, in the meantime, you know, the uh, once the new speaker was elected, he did put on uh, the floor and got adopted a continuing uh, resolution for the f- funding of the various uh, parts of the government. Uh, but, but I guess my question is, uh, from what I understand, uh, it's kind of got two parts. Uh, part of the funding for some departments is going to run out in January and for other departments in February. What, how's that going to work? Well, uh, it's been bifurcated into two uh, components. One will be January 19th and the other one will be February 2nd. Uh, I, I, I think they just came up with that because uh, clearly we are also working on a supplemental uh, to fund Ukraine, uh, uh, Israel, Taiwan humanitarian aid for Gaza, as well as uh, some border security um, uh, funding. And again, assuming we are able to come together on common sense reforms that would truly address uh, our broken immigration system. Because if it's just xenophobia as usual from some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, it's not going to solve anything. Keep in mind that they have refused this leadership, Republican leadership, has refused to move forward a number of bipartisan bills that already exist in the House. The Dream and Promise Act and the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. That could be a good start, but instead, there seems to be a lot of posturing and uh, bipartisan um, amendments and bills that are being kicked around. Is that interfering with you being able to get uh, Republican co-sponsors for some of the bills like the supplemental bill? Uh, I, I think that the chaos is just creating a lot of uncertainty and fluidity. As a matter of fact, right now I can't tell you what is being considered uh, in that in those supplemental negotiations because all we're hearing is some pretty draconian things. Hmm. What what kind of draconian things are you hearing, Congressman? Well, for instance, there's a, a, a reluctance to fund uh, Ukraine funding, and they're tying that to uh, immigration uh, security at the border. So everybody saying, well, what are the things you're proposing for the border? And so a lot of things that they propose, uh, you know, that, that are yet to be seen or heard, uh, usually don't go to addressing the, the number of personnel that's needed there, the technology, the judges to address asylum issues. Uh, there's really just a limitation of, of the resources that are needed to address the fentanyl issue, uh, most of which comes through our ports. 90% of it, of it comes through our ports, not through illegal points of entry. Well, well, you know, I suppose from 
just to play devil's advocate for a second, uh, if uh, if Congress, if you can get the Republicans to agree to funding Ukraine and Israel and and uh, Taiwan, um, and and there's more money put into border security. Um, is that a bad thing, or is it, is there some problem with the structuring of uh, border security that they're proposing? I think it could be proposing? a good thing, provided that it's done in a way that's common sense and it makes sense. Uh-huh. Again, uh, it, it's got to make sense. It can't be xenophobic uh, policies that are not going to address the issue. Well, sure. Um, uh, but uh, Yes, I'm, I, I'm open to that. I think uh, we can do all of that, but, uh, but it needs to be done in a common sense way. And with with this tie-up, though, um, it seems to me that uh, failure to get through these kinds of CRs and, and the supplemental must have some effect on the men and women scattered across the Middle East that are uh, providing protection for this country. Uh, Absolutely. It, uh, we've can, already seen a number of attacks on our troops uh, in, in throughout the world, and they're in the Middle East especially. Um, so absolutely, we need to address this as soon as possible. Are you are you able to talk with some of your uh, Republican colleagues about uh, coming up with the funding to replace the uh, funds that have been used for all of these unplanned? You know, no nobody thought we were going to have to send a, two aircraft carriers to the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, protecting democracy uh, comes with a price, and regrettably, uh, we haven't seen governing by this new leadership and, and the other side of the aisle. Instead, there's been a lot of culture wars, uh, pieces of legislation that do nothing to enhance the lives of Americans. Hmm. They haven't even passed uh, a significant amount of appropriations bills. They need to do that. And instead, uh, they've been wasting their time with chaos and dysfunction. And we're not really doing our job to govern for the American people because of that dysfunction. Now, you're, you're on a number of committees. Are those committees uh, still meeting and, and working on uh, on getting through bills or at least uh, bringing bills to the floor? Well, keep in mind, the Ag Committee, for example, yeah. we're, we're not meeting much. Why? Because we had to provide an extension in uh, the last ER for a year for the farm bill. Oh, my that goodness. Expired. It expired September 30th. Yes. So there's no meeting, there's no hearings or meetings going on uh, at the time. Uh, we uh, have had uh, some uh, perfunctory uh, transportation uh, hearings uh, to talk about how uh, we need to move forward the Federal Aviation Administration uh, funding or reauthorization. And so just to talk about it, but the House has already done that in this case. It's being held up in the Senate. Ah, okay. Well, what what is going on in the House, if anything, besides the <laughs> the dysfunction at this point? Well, I would say very, very little of substance. Hmm. Uh, and I think what we do need to do is make sure that we're able to work on the National Defense Authorization Act. That seems to be one area that we have uh, uh, gotten to a point that we should have done months ago, and that's getting to the conferencing of the bill between the Senate and the House. That's happening right now as we know it, uh, but it's taken months just to get to this point. 
And assuming they could reach a final agreement with the four corners, as they call it, the Senate, minority and majority, and the House, a minority and majority of uh, the, Ar the House Armed Services Committee, then we should be able to move forward with a bill. But a bill that strips out all the poison bills that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, for the first time in decades, have added to this bill. Traditionally, this bill moves forward in a very bipartisan fashion. But this time, uh, they've chosen to be very partisan and put politics over, uh, over the people, over democracy, and over our national security. Uh, and over our military people. What, what kinds, Co Congressman Carbajal, what kinds of poison pills got put into that? For uh, instance, uh, on abortion, uh, the Pentagon uh, provides uh, leave and transportation uh, for those that are, need to seek uh, that procedure, so for medical procedure. And uh, also they are really caught up in a uh, equity, inclusion, and diversity um, fight to strip anything that deals with enhancing uh, diversity in our military. Uh, they also have just been generally, um, you know, micromanaging bases in a way that is ridiculous. Uh, they are just meddling uh, in a way that we've never done before. Hmm. And really, at the end of the day, threatening our readiness and uh, the capabilities of our military personnel and the well-being. We can't even provide raises. We can't provide raises until we get this done for our military personnel, our servicemen and women who rely on, on the funding, uh, not only for their readiness, but for their own livelihood. Even though, even though uh, many of these uh, folks are complaining about uh, inflation, uh, who are Absolutely. building and in these... Look, I, I, I served in the United States Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, I know that what our veterans go through and what our service members go through. And uh, this is not a time to be proud of the lack of governing uh, by Congress. Certainly they demonstrated the opposite, that well, there's not a willingness to govern, and at the end the real impact and the real losers that they are creating here is a loss for the American people. Congressman, we have to wrap up for a hard news break. Stay tuned, folks, to Slow County Public Policy and the Law and more with your Congressman, Salud Carbajal.